Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Hello, MD Nation, and welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. But before we begin today's show, I just want to talk to you guys about a sponsor that we have that are going to be presenting the show for you guys today. And their name is called Podgo. And Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Be sure to reference this show when you sign up. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o and check out Podgo today. Welcome to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show. Now for your host, Dan Mater. And everybody, welcome back to the show. We got a great one in store for you today. It is Friday, so of course it's always a good day for everybody, but of course we're going to be talking about quite a few things in today's show. We're still continuing the Team Profile series. We don't have any guests today. The reason we don't have any guests today is because I've been previewing the rankings for the past couple of weeks for a couple of teams, and I'm getting you ready for when my release of my full projections and rankings for standard and half point and full point PPR were going to be released. And they have. If you go to the website, www.bellyupfantasysports.com, you will be able to go check out the 2020 rankings are officially up there for you guys. Like I said, for standard, for half point, for full point PPR, standard scoring formats, you can go ahead and check that out. And of course, we always love your feedback. And we're going to be talking about those rankings quite a bit on today's show, which is why I didn't have any guests. We may not have any more guests from here on out, quite frankly, because we need to start really diving into the 
the, the, the textbook numbers here. We got to dive into those fantasy numbers. We got to dive into what it is that's going to help you win your championships. And that's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. So over the next few weeks, I think we have about three more episodes left to wrap up the team profile series. And we will have done all 32 teams and their fantasy outlook. So from that and then from there, we're going to be doing the the top five, bus five, sleeper five series right after that in August. So that's what's coming up for you guys to go ahead and check out. And we are going to be going over a lot of content between here and then hoping one that the NFL season will be able to kick off and we'll we will be able to have our fantasy drafts when we normally do. And maybe maybe that one aspect of our lives has a chance to be somewhat normal. Maybe just maybe. But if what with that being the case, we want to make sure you are prepared. We here at MD Nation want you to be able to get the edge on your opponent to beat your opponents and win that championship game. Now, after the team profile series, we're still not going to do the mailbag today. I know when we said we stopped having guests, we would do it, but I'm going to wait till the team profile series is done because there's still a lot of content we have to get through and we're talking about four teams in an episode. And I do want to get these episodes start to be closer to an hour. We'll be going a little hour, 20, hour and a half. Want to get them closer to an hour for you guys for your easier, more convenient consumption. But as soon as the team profile series is over at the end of July here, and we move into the top five, bus five, sleeper five, we are going to have a mailbag segment. So what I want you guys to do is that you can check out the MD Nation hotline. You can call in 609-362-2480. This part is important. I didn't think I would have to specify, but we've gotten a few phone calls, but people didn't leave the voice messages. You have to leave your voice message in order to get your opinion or comment or rant played on the show. So just let it ring and then Leave your voice matches on that for that phone number. Again, 609-362-2480. If you have a comment, a fantasy question, a rant, it doesn't matter. We will get you on the show for that episode when those mailbag uh, episodes start to happen, which will be at the, I believe the last week of July will be our first one. So just kind of keep that in mind. You can also contact the show at any time, 24-7, on social media, on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow, or on Facebook, at BellyUpMDFFShow, or you can email the show directly mdsfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you contact me via social media, not only will I get back to you, but there's a pretty good chance that I'll read your question on the show as well. So before we go ahead and dive into our first team that we're going to be talking about, which is going to be the Rams for this one, we do have a few uh, off-season notes that we want to talk about. We're not going to talk about the Holmes thing yet because we are talking about the Chiefs in this podcast episode as well, along with the Browns and the Vikings. So we're going to get into Mahomes. We're going to get into that. So I'm not going to put that in the off-season notes. Uh, just some of the things that are happening, you know, right now, Raheem Mostert, obviously his agent comes out and they want to demand a trade. That mostly has to do with him wanting to get paid around $4 million, about the same as Tevin Coleman. We will see what winds up happening. I lean more towards Raheem Mostert will not wind up being traded at the end of the day, but you never know. There are some teams out there who are looking for some veteran running backs. Raheem Mostert does provide some upside. He shows some great promise. He is a little bit older. But you have a guy who can at least nothing else contribute on special teams. You know he's a fast game breaker. You know you can utilize him in these ways. So I will be curious to see exactly what winds up happening. But I have to say I would be a bit surprised if he really did wind up being traded out of San Francisco. Just especially given 
what they were able to accomplish with him, especially in the postseason. Now, yes, it's Kyle Shanahan. So it's not that big of a stretch because it is Kyle Shanahan. He is somebody who believes that he can take a running back off the street and it's his system that makes the running back great. And we know that he has an affinity for Tevin Coleman. We still haven't seen Jared McKinnon get on the field. They did restructure his deal so they could keep him on the roster. We know that they're willing to use Jeff Wilson Jr. And Salvin Ahmed, who's a undrafted rookie, and they brought in has been has had a lot of headlines about him for a guy who's been an undrafted rookie, and that has to do with the system and Kyle Shanahan as well. So a lot of those things have to take into consideration. So it's not a it's not a far stretch to think that Raheem Mostert may legitimately wind up being traded. I just lean towards more no at the moment because he's not asking for a lot. This is Debo Samuel. We don't know exactly when he's back, and if he's not back in a good amount of time. Well, then all of a sudden they're going to be sitting in a situation where they're going to have to find themselves on the outside in a, 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 with going with more back. So I and be able to run, and I just don't see it. I don't see them putting themselves in that situation where Brandon Ayuk is your rookie wide receiver and your only real receiving threat outside of George Kittle. I don't see them going that route. Uh, so if they're going to be run first. It's going to have to be. I think they're going to have to look at keeping Raheem Oster on the roster. That's just where I lean for as of now, but that's what's going on as far as that is concerned. A lot of the other things up in the air are not necessarily fantasy relevant. What does Mahomes' contract mean for Dak Prescott? How the NFL is going to be doing? Right now, the NFL, just a quick tidbit on that, are trying to roll out their plans on having some fans in the stands. It seems like the going rate seems to be about 20,000 fans or so of what teams are trying to prepare for. Now, we still haven't heard uh, the big protocol list that they've come out with what they're going to be doing to try to be able to protect these organizations so that way we don't have a midseason shutdown because if, if you've listened to the show so far uh, that's that's my number one concern right now my number one concern is that we get the season started and then we wind up having to have a shutdown in the fall or in the winter whenever the next surge comes that's what I'm more concerned with I think than us starting on time or not at this point uh, so we'll see what happens there we still haven't seen what the protocols are going to be and what that means for your fantasy teams. And we're going to get into that a little bit more when we get into August. Uh, when we're getting closer to when people are actually going to be drafting. What commissioners are going to have to think about. We, Honestly, I'm between that and a mailbag segment, we may wind up dedicating a whole episode to that. Or at least a, a, a large portion of one. Because there's, there's a lot to really consider as a commissioner of a league this season of what you need to do to try to make it the, as fair as you possibly can. There's going to be situations this year, inevitably, that are going to throw people off the rails, are going to frustrate people as fantasy owners. That's going to happen. But we're going to go through some things that I think will help commissioners out there uh, really be able to set up the best possible environment for their leagues. And like I said, we might we might dedicate a whole episode to that or at least a large portion of one. So we're going to go through that starting in August when we get closer to when people are going to be drafting uh, anyway, that pretty much wraps it up for the off-season notes. Whoa, now what we can dive into now, though, is the Rams and their fantasy analysis and what they could possibly be. And with the Rams, hey, you know what? There's a lot more to like than I think people realize here. I think there's a situation on people are kind of looking at. All right, so first of all, you have Sean McVay. He is a good offensive mind, but this is come down to in his hey, are you going to be able to adjust? 
What did we see at the end of last year? Did we see a situation in which you figured out something with the two tight end sets, being able to run a more compact offense, starting to get a little bit more efficient to turn things around? Are we going to see more of that? Are you going to go back to what you used to do, what has been what you've been looking for this entire time in playing with the receivers predominantly? Is that going to be a Josh Reynolds type on the on the outside there uh, to fill in for the Brandon Cooks role? Are you going to stick with that? It's going to be a combination of the two. My big thing, and if you've listened to me before, you probably have already heard this. My big thing with Sean McVay is that I believe to at least some extent he is going to look to copy the Kyle Shanahan system. That's what I foresee happening. And that means a lot more two tight end sets, a lot more zone outside running schemes because Sean McVay's system isn't that different from Kyle Shanahan's to begin with. They they're still they both branch off from the godfather of Mike Shanahan and his system as well, but Sean McVay just took his and went in more of a pass first direction with it. Uh, with you know attacking the different levels and, and the bootlegs and 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 the zone schemes off of that, he just went in a more passing direction. While Kyle Shan followed in his father's footsteps and took more of a running uh, perspective on his offense. But they're very similar in the overall scheme and the overall blocking schemes, the areas of the field in which they want to attack. They are similar in those senses. So I think what Sean McVay may be doing this season, taking a little bit more of a book out, a little more of a page out of a book, bringing him in and looking to make this more of a run, more of a balanced type of team. That's what I foresee happening uh, this season there with Sean McVay. So having said that, that means my expectation play action-based offense. The other thing I'm going to be looking for is, are they going to motion more? The Rams are really at their best when they motion a lot, get those mismatches, mix it up on the defense at the pre-snap. That's when they're really at their best. They didn't do a lot of that last year. Whether you call it laziness, whether you call it vanilla, whether you call it that he didn't trust the offensive line, which is going to be another factor again this season, whatever you want to chalk it up to, that is what we're looking for out of Sean McVay. That is the concern. Are you going to motion more and get back to the basics there? And are you going to look to pick maybe more of a Kyle Shanahan type offense where you're attacking the edges? Now, what does that mean? Well, first of all, talking about our rankings that just came out, Jared Goff, where are you at? This was a guy who was, he's just, we're never talking about top five fantasy quarterback in Jared Goff, right? Because we know he's just not going to put up that level of production. But we are talking about a guy who last year, a lot of people had inside of their top 12. And this year, not so much, but I don't have him as far off as I think most people would would think. And remember, when we talk about these, when we talk about these rankings, uh, we're talking about, on the show at least, we're talking about from a, a half point uh, standpoint. Um just kind of industry standard thing that's been going on as of late. So Jared Goff right now, I have, but he's still going to be a guy who I think you're going to be able to stream in certain situations and much in line with ADP is ADP is QB 18 right now. That's the ADP consensus that I'm taking that from across all the different types of platforms. Uh, Yeah. With Jared Goff, He's going to do enough to make other people fantasy relevant around him, right? Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. He's going to be able to run the offense efficiently. You know, I have him. He's you know, I have him just over forty four hundred yards. I have him for about twenty seven touchdowns. I have him for about almost twelve interceptions, and that's a stat line that I think we can all come to expect out of Jared Goff. It's a solid stat line. It is a guy you're going to be able to stream at some point during the season. The big thing is, can he just be more efficient? It's not going to be about Jared Goff in fantasy football this year. It's going to be about 
can you do what you need to do to keep Cooper Cup at the level that we saw, at least for the beginning of half of last year? Can we get Robert Woods back in the end zone at least a little bit more to make him a little bit more fantasy consistent? Or can he have the success that he had the end of last season all the way through as well? Can he do those type of things? Can you get Tyler Higby involved? What's Gerald Everett extent? That's going to be the key. The big thing about Jared Goff is that he can't feel pressure up the middle. If he feels pressure up the middle, he starts throwing off his back foot. And his arm talent is not good enough for him to be able to go off of his back foot and still be able to get the ball there. That's where he gets into trouble. That's where they start you know, being inefficient. That's where he starts uh, throwing interceptions. So that's the big key for him. But their offensive line didn't improve. And that is where I get a little bit concerned that this offense could look, unfortunately, more similar to last season than what we would like to see from the previous seasons before when they were you know, one of the top offenses in the NFL. That's my concern. That goes back to why I think they're going to run two more two tight end sets. So on the flip side of that, if you're going to run more two tight end sets, if you're going to run the ball more in general, now we get into the big question of the Rams. Now we get into what everyone is probably is trying to figure out right now. Where exactly do we put Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson? This is that is I don't know. It's some you know and high at least. Now we're talking about looking for guys that might have value, might have sleeper potential. Uh, then then we'll talk. And that's where I have a lot of these guys ranked. So I'm I'm. This is something that I expect to hear back from on social media and from you guys in general. I, I'm going to drop some draws with this one. Because a lot of people, while they don't have these guys high, they don't have them this low. My highest ranked quarterback, uh, running back, excuse me, in a half point PPR format for the Rams is Daryl Henderson. I have him as RB thirty eight, meaning you're gonna get, you want him to be pretty much your fourth running back on your team, maybe even your fifth in a good situation. Daryl Henderson is going to be the guy I think that has the most receiving work of the three. Can Cam Akers catch the ball? Absolutely, he can. And just for reference here, Cam Akers is my 53rd running back overall in half-point PPR leagues. So there's a big gap I have between Henderson and Cam Akers. And that is because of this point when it comes to the receiving game. While Cam Akers is good at catching the ball, is explosive on the edges and out in the open field. He was probably the running back that I gave one of, if not the worst grade to, as far as being able to pass protect. And I harp on this a lot. If you listen to the show at all, I harp on this all the time, especially when it comes to rookie running backs. If you cannot pass protect, you will not get a significant amount of playing time, especially in the passing game. Cam Akers is probably one of the worst as far as his technique, his ability to read. He's a bigger body guy, so once he's able to get those fundamentals in place, I do think he will be fine eventually in his career. I don't know if he'll ever be great. Some guys just don't have the natural inclination to ever be a great pass blocker, but I do believe he has at least the physicality to be adequate to get himself on the field on a more consistent basis down the road in his career. That's why I still like him in Dynasty. I still think Cam Akers is on a path where he's going to be a featured three-down running back at some point in his career. It's just not going to be in his rookie season. They haven't been able to practice at all. He hasn't been able to put that work in. And when they hit training camp, these teams have to hit training camp running, meaning they don't have time to sit back and develop these rookies the way that they normally would in these situations, the way they would normally would in most off seasons. They're not going to have that luxury. So they're not going to sit, they're only going to have what, 23 days, 24 days of training camp before they're going to be able to have to kick off week one. They're not going to waste their time. 
of course they're going to practice with him. Of course they're going to try it, but they are not going to sit there and take the time it's going to be necessary to get him adequate to let him play more in those situations. It's not going to happen. Daryl Henderson's going to be that guy. Going to sophomore year, and people seem to forget this, they used a lot of draft capital on Daryl Henderson. He went he went in the, I believe it was the, I'm drawing a blank right now, but it was the late second, early third. It was somewhere in that range that he went. They thought a lot about him. A lot of people were excited about Henderson last year when they thought Gurley was falling off the wagon. He's going to play, and he's explosive, and he's a good pass catcher. And while I don't think he's the greatest pass protector in the world either, He's better than Cam Akers, and he's been in the system already for a year. It, a lot of things give him the edge in that. Now, who's going to get the most carries out of Henderson, Malcolm Brown, or Cam Akers? I believe it's going to be Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown's my 46th-ranked running back in half-point PPR leagues. And I have him for about 134 carries or so, while Darren Henderson gets about 112, and Cam Akers gets about 105. Meaning, I have a pretty close three-way split when it comes to these guys. I don't. There's no. There's no question about that. And I think it is going to be a close three-way split because uh, they're going to want to get Cam. Cam Akers is the talented running back in that backfield. He is the most natural playmaker in that backfield. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's a rookie, and he's a rookie in a. Off- the other reason why I have, and there's two things about Malcolm Brown why I have him getting the most carries. One. They love Malcolm Brown. I, I don't know where people have forgotten this, but remember, they paid him a good amount of money to be a backup to Todd Gurley last year. He was their number two, and he is a bigger type of guy. They're going to use him in the short line situations. They're going to use him in the goal line situations. He's going to get the majority of the rushing touchdowns for this team. And I believe on first and second down to start off those games, that opening kickoff, I believe more times than not, we're going to be seeing Malcolm Brown on the field. Now, overall here, Darren Henderson, 38th, Malcolm Brown, 46, Cam Akers, 53. I'm pretty much telling you that all three of these guys are dart throws. So at the end of the day, if you want to take your preference pick on a guy that you feel like has the best opportunity to give you value when you need it, then it's going to, it's going to be a preference thing. It's going to be on you. And I'm fine with you if you want to take Cam Akers over the other two. Because we're talking about these guys in a range where you're looking for sleeper opportunities anyway. It's either you're looking for guys to fill out your bench so you have some depth when you get into those bye weeks, or you're looking for guys to take shots on. And that's the range that we're in here. So any one of those three, even though from 38 to 53 seems like a long way to go, and it is when you're ranking because it's the running back position... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's not as big as you think, but I do think Darren Henderson is the guy that I would want to own in half-point PPR leagues overall. If we're talking about standard, I probably lean more towards Malcolm Brown because I do believe he's going to get the majority of the touchdowns. But half-point, I'm leaning towards Darren Henderson. I just don't think Cam is go- Cam Akers is going to play enough. Now, if you're sitting back there and you want to take a big sleeper pick, you want to take a pick that you think has the best chance to win you your league when it matters most in that playoff stretch then that probably would be Cam Akers because of the three, he's the one who's most likely 
to take over the backfield down the stretch if there's going to be one guy who does that. He would be the guy most likely to do it as a rookie with the talent that he has. But I'm not expecting that to wind up being the case. I think you're going to see a pretty healthy three-way rotation here. And as a result, that kills your fantasy value. And just for a frame of reference here, in case you guys were wondering, this is much different than the ADP. Cam Akers is, is, is ADP. His, his ADP is running back 28 right now, which obviously, I'm from what I'm telling you, I think that's crazy too high. I'm way lower on Cam Akers. That puts him in the bus territory for me. They have Daryl Henderson about 41, which is about where I have him at in 38, and then Malcolm Brown at 65, which I think is drastically too low because, again, people are not counting the fact that he is going to get the majority of the touchdowns, and he's going to get a lot more carries, people think, especially early on in the season. As the season plays out, like I said, injury, maybe Cam Akers starts to put it together. There's a chance that winds up happening, but at least in the first, I would say, first half of the season minimum. I believe this is a split you're going to see when it comes to this backfield. So this is something to kind of take into consideration. That, that is what the reality situation really looks like. Now we move on to the wide receivers of the Rams. We got Cooper Cup. We got Robert Woods. And I'm pretty high on these guys. And I'm pretty in line with the ADP in, in general on these two. Look, first and foremost, Cooks is gone. And say what you want about Josh Reynolds. He's a nice little play-in, please. Say what you want about whether you think Sean McVay is going to run more three receiver sets or two tight end sets. That, to me, is really kind of irrelevant either way that you shake it down. It comes down to, for me, it comes down to that you're vacating those targets for Brandon Cooks. Only a portion of that is going to go to Josh Reynolds. And then the rest of it, you're looking at predominantly getting divvied out between Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Now, I also want to address this issue. There seems to be some people out there who seem to think that Cooper Cup, in the second half of the season, when he got, when he got a little bit banged up, he didn't have as great of a second half of the year. And a lot of people attribute that to them being a and yes, it contributed to a little bit more, but it had more to do with volume than anything else. If they were to run two tight end sets, first of all, there is such a thing as a slot receiver and a two tight end set because you can line up two receivers on one side. I think we're going to see that quite a bit. Also, Cooper Cup's still going to be, and Robert Woods, are still going to be motioned, still going to be utilized all over the field. It's going to be utilized in jet sweeps, things of that nature. And overall, the offense is more efficient, then the receivers will be fine. And probably the most important point to make, Cooper Cup is still the number one red zone target of Jared Goff no matter what offense they're running. That is his go-to guy especially in the red zone. And as long as that remains to be the case, I'm fine with it. And Cooper Cup is a hell of a wide receiver. Cooper Cup is a hell of a wide receiver. All right. So this idea that Cooper Cup's going to fall off this cliff this year, I think is erroneous. Now, it's not everyone saying that. There, seems to just, there just seems to be a, a, a decent amount where I'm hearing it constantly throughout the industry. Uh, it's not everybody. But this idea that Cooper Cup cannot play on the outside or cannot be productive if they could move to a more two tight end set system is ridiculous this is a highly talented player who is the number one target who has the best chemistry of his quarterback plain plain and simple plain and simple and it's a contract year i have cooper cup ranked as the 10th receiver overall in half point ppr leagues and it's not far off his adp is wide receiver 13 so we're not talking about a drastic difference here between me and the and the consensus on cooper cup but he is a top 10 receiver for me the targets are going to be there i have him for about 117 targets just getting over a thousand yards and most importantly, getting about seven touchdowns. That's what we're looking for at a Cooper Cup. He gets that. He's a top 10 wide receiver. That's all it takes. It's going to happen. He is the go-to guy. I expect Robert Woods to take a step up too. Robert Woods is my wide receiver 20. 
Also not that far off from the ADP consensus. I'm a little bit higher. The ADP consensus on him is wide receiver 26. The targets are going to be there for this team. Plain, plain and simple. The targets will be there for this team, for those two players in particular. They're going to look to go to the outside. They're going to they're look to utilize these guys more. Um, I think the big question will be, how much is the offense on the field, right? Because, look, there's a lot of talent on that defense. But if we go off of what happened last year, I mean, I think we all know that they didn't play up to expectations. Will they this season with the change from Wade Phillips? I tend to lean towards that. Wade Phillips is a great defensive coordinator. I don't think you upgraded by getting rid of Wade Phillips. So I think there's going to be a lot more games where the Rams are having to come back from behind again. They're going to have to throw. Those are the two receivers are going to have to go to. Like I said, Josh Reynolds is a nice little player. Van Jefferson, we'll see what he becomes. But the targets are there. There's a floor there for Cooper Cup. There's a floor there for Robert Woods that you can sink your teeth into, play, and know that you're going to get decent production every single week. And just to give you an idea, I have Robert Woods going for 108 targets, about just short of 1,000 yards with about six touchdowns. And that will be the key for Robert Woods. Does he get that boost in the touchdown mark? Which he should because it was absolutely ridiculous what we saw out of him a year ago. And I expect that to be I expect that to be the case. I don't think anything's going to change there. Now, for the tight end situation, this is the other question a lot of people are trying to figure out. Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, what do we expect here? And this is the one where I think I might be a little bit different on in some senses. Um, a lot of people have Higby in the top 10. I do as well. I have, or I'm sorry, I do not. I have him number 13 overall for the tight ends. I have him that top tight end two territory. There's a lot of tight ends I like this year. It makes it a little bit more interesting than, than most years. It's not just the, the top two guys and then everybody else. There's actually a good amount of tight ends who might have some value this season. But yeah, I have him at tight end 13, but I like his value there. I could easily see him finishing in the top 10. And when it comes to him and Gerald Everett, it's definitely Tyra Higby for me. It's not even a question. First of all, let's knock out the number one notion, which is that Tyler Higby isn't that athletic. He's pretty athletic. I don't, I don't know why people feel like he's just a statue out there or he's just like an okay guy. He's pretty athletic. And he can block. And that's the big key. He's going to be on the field all the time for the Rams because we talked about this. The offensive line did not get better. And because the offensive line did not get better, we expect him to run to more two tight end sets. Part of that's going to be Tyler Higbee blocking. Now you can say, like, well, you we have two tight end sets. Gerald Everett will be the other guy. Yes. But the easiest way for tight ends to get open, to be mismatches. And we've seen this for years with Rob Gronkowski in New England, why, you know, why it seemed like nobody could ever come up with a good game plan to actually take him out. Because when you're a tight end, you can block. And then run a route off of your block scheme and get open. You can't stick him. You can't play a corner of him on him if he's going to go block. You can't play a free safety on him if he's just going to sit there and block. So you wind up on that linebacker. You wind up on that box strong safety. That's how you get your mismatches. Tyler Higby will naturally be more open than Gerald Everett. Here's the other thing I, be, I keep hearing. The splits between Higby and Everett when both of them are on the field favor Everett. Yeah, no crap. Duh. Of course, of course they favor Gerald Everett. Why? Because Everett was the lead tight end for the majority of the season in the beginning of the year last year. And they were both healthy. Duh. No kidding. I hate stupid stats like that. Because you're not, you're not actually reflecting, you're not actually analyzing the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation is when Jared Everett went down, 
Tyler Higby obviously performed very well. But that's not the reality situation. The reality situation was Gerald Everett came back. He came back. And I'm emphasizing that because for some reason, I don't hear anybody talking about this point, and I don't know why. He came back. He was healthy. He was playing. He didn't miss the entire second half of the season after he got hurt the first time. So, when he came back, it was still Higby dominating. Not just snaps, but targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. Gerald Everett was usurped last season. End of discussion. There is no, they're going to go back to Everett now as the main pass-catching tight end. No, they're not. He's a nice tight end to split out wide. He's a nice tight end to use as a weapon, as a piece. But Tyler Higby is the guy now. He is the number one tight end. He is the guy who's going to be targeted more in the red zone. He is that guy. Now, Everett's not going to disappear. And that's why I think putting Tyler Higby in the top 10 is a little a little risky because the target share is not necessarily always going to be there for him. And when you really break it down from a reality standpoint, you can't quite put him as the top tight end too. It won't surprise me if he makes his way into there because if they are going to be well as they were before with Brandon Cooks, Higby's going to be the guy who's going to probably be the biggest mismatch on the field just due to what he can do. He's going to be utilized in the red zone, and he might be neck and neck with Cooper Cup as far as who's getting the most targets there this season with the way they might utilize him. It's Higby over Everett if you're looking at a Rams tight end. But as I said, I have 12 other tight ends ahead of him, so I'm probably not going to be drafting Higby either. And if you want to check that out, make sure, again, you go check out www.bellyupfantasysports.com for all of my rankings and projections heading into the 2020 season. Now, last but not least, we'll mention the defense really, really quickly. Uh, like I said, they have a lot of talent, but I don't like that they got rid of Wade Phillips. I think that was a huge, huge mistake. There was no reason for it. Um, but because they have a lot of talent, I do have them as a top 10 defense. I have them ranked number nine overall. With defenses, so, it's so tricky. You know, you, you don't know exactly what you're going to get. That is a tough division. You have the 49ers, you have the Seattle Seahawks, you have the Arizona Cardinals, who at least should be better on offense. It's a tough division. But I think you should be in situations where when you have Rams, you have Aaron Donald, you should be able to get some sacks, you should be able to get some turnovers, especially against certain opponents. And I think they're a defense that's going to be worth at least drafting for now. Other than the New England Patriots, other than the Pittsburgh Steelers, and maybe other than the Baltimore Ravens, I don't know if there's a defense in fantasy football that I feel like I'm going to be drafting and actually keeping all the way through the entire season. That's what, so when it comes to defense, that's why you draft them so late, right? Because when you take a draft pick on them, you're probably going to wind up picking up another defense at some point during the season anyway because streaming defense is the easiest thing in the world to do if you have available ones because if you get a, a decent defense, just a decent defense against a crappy opponent, you're going to put up top 10 numbers in the defensive category that week. So unless you have a really elite one, I don't know how much I'm messing with this season. The Rams would be that where I think they're worth drafting, but they're definitely a defense I'm not going to be keep, keeping uh, for all 16 weeks of the year anyway. And we'll see what we get out of them. But like I said, I do have my concerns with Wade Phillips missing. So I don't know how great they're going to be. That wraps it up for the Rams. I do want to talk to you guys about a sponsor that we have for the show called one of the first podcasts built for you to make reviews, to rate, and, to feed, and for feedback episodes for your podcast show you listen to it through the hubble podcast app you will be able to leave us a review rate us right from there on that episode and give us feedback specific 
to that episode. So it's really one of the first apps you can do it like that. Make sure you go ahead and check them out. That's H-U-B-L podcast app on your Google Play Store or Apple Store, wherever you have your uh, software for. Next up that we're talking about is Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are pretty straightforward, actually. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of fantasy value, and so that, that's that's without a question. And obviously, we'll we'll hit on the first thing, which is Patrick Mahomes, right? And with Patrick Mahomes, he pretty signs that 10-year, $503 million extension, you know, whatever, whatever. It's really more of a five- to six-year, $140 million contract in its actuality. Uh, but it's neither here nor there. The point is Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Kansas City Chief for a very long time, and nobody deserves that contract more. Obviously, being that this is a fantasy football podcast show, his contract has absolutely nothing to do with his fantasy football value. I do have Patrick Mahomes as the number two quarterback overall for fantasy purposes. I don't think that should be a real surprise. Look, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, I do think you're talking about a situation that is really more preference than it is anything else. There, I don't think there's a statistic. I don't think there's an analysis that can really make or break the argument for either one of them to be the number one quarterback. So if Patrick Mahomes is your number one quarterback, I have no argument with you whatsoever. It's 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 pretty much a preference point. The only argument that I make of why I have Mahomes number two and Lamar number one is simply this, Lamar is going to run more. It's really what it breaks down to. He proved last year that he can lead the lead in touchdowns, which is what Lamar Jackson did. He had 36 of them. I have him going for about 31 so that puts him right in the range, and he's just going to run more. And that's why I have Lamar ranked just ahead of Patrick Mahomes. But in Mahomes' case, we know sky's the limit as far as the passing ability, right? We know he could throw 50 touchdowns. We know he could go over 5,000 yards. We know all those things are in the realm of possibility. I do have him lean league in touchdowns, and I have, I believe I have him about second in yards. I have to go all the way through it. He's either first or second in yards there, but I have him for about 4,800 yards passing and about 36 to 37 touchdowns with only about seven to eight interceptions. And I think that's a pretty good stat line. Look, they have all the weapons in the world. We know they're going to be a throw first team. We know what the deal is with Andy Reid. So with Mahomes, it's really just can you just, you know not get hurt for a few games like he did last season, and he should be able to reach these numbers. I feel really safe about him reaching these in particular numbers, and it would not shock me at all if he blew all these numbers out of the water. It wouldn't shock me if he got 5,000 yards. It wouldn't shock me if he got over 40 touchdowns. So that's all within the realm of possibility. I think this projection on him is actually a safe projection. The ADP consensus on Patrick Mahomes is QB1. They the, the consensus is to have him step over Lamar Jackson. I just think the rushing ability is too much to overlook. And I even have Lamar not even making 1,000 yards rushing this year. I have him about for 980, and it still puts him just, just ahead of Patrick Mahomes for me. But we know the sky's the limit. So there's nothing really else we need to say about Mahomes. The question is where... I think the question with Mahomes is more about not where you're taking him, obviously, with the quarterback position or where what his value is. It's more where do you take him in the overall drafts? I think that's more what people's questions are going to be this season. Do do you is, is he a guy who's good enough to make the exception of the general rule of not taking quarterbacks early? And that's going to go for Lamar Jackson too for that argument. I have Patrick Mahomes ranked as the number 29th player overall in half point stamp and half point PPR leagues, which means I have you I have you taking him in the third round. MD Nation. And that's where I have him valued at. Look, I have no problem taking a player where he's valued. I don't care about what position he is playing. Now, 
there are strategies involved. And I am generally of this strategy that I will wait on quarterback if that's the option to me, generally speaking. I'd rather load up at running back and wide receiver and then take my tight end later and take my quarterback later. Because I, what I'll generally do is I'll take two quarterbacks later if I'm looking to draft late on quarterbacks and kind of use those guys to rotate or stream from there. Because you can find value that way. You can find top, top 10 guys if you wait until the double-digit rounds to take your guy. No doubt. No question about it. But here's the difference. This is why I'm not going to have a problem taking Lamar Jackson in the second or third round. This is why I'm not going to have a problem taking Patrick Mahomes in the third or fourth round in your fantasy drafts. Because they are that much better than everybody else. Than everybody else. They're in a tier one. And then after that, I have Dak Prescott. You want to know the difference that I have between Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and then Dak Prescott as that second tier? There's about a three to four point per game average difference. For those of you who don't know, that's huge. That is a huge jump from one tier to another, especially in the quarterback situation. But that is a huge jump to have a three or four point more average projection per game for Patrick Holmes and Lamar Jackson compared to the next tier, which I have is Dak Prescott. That's a huge gap. That is why they have their value there. That is why you value them so early in the drafts. So I'm okay with it. I am. This year, more than most, and we haven't talked about this too much yet, but this year, more than most, I'm going to be looking to pound running back early in my drafts and get the receivers late. That's just where the value lines up at. That's where the rankings line up at. That's where the projections line up at. The value is hammer away, get as many running backs as you can in those first three, maybe even four rounds, get the receivers after that. Because even if you don't wind up with your prototypical wide receiver one, there are so many receivers who are in line and in situations this season to go for those double-digit touchdown years, to go for those 1,000-yard years, that you're going to get value at the wide receiver position later on this year. But while they're... It's kind of an oxymoron situation with the running backs in general this year. It's on one hand, you have more running backs that are featured this season, but on the other hand, you have less running backs overall to really contemplate wanting to take and fill your team out with. And as a result of that, you wind up having to take these running backs early because once they're gone, they're gone. And there is a huge cliff between about the fourth round running back and then the next guy, which for me, I don't have ranked again until like the eighth round. Like there's a huge gap there between those top running backs that are going to be fantasy relevant for you and then everybody else who's really, if not just a shot in the dark, just a hope that they can give you solid backup value. Comes down to where you want to take these quarterbacks overall. And I am, I think Patrick Mahomes is worth a third round pick. I do. And I wouldn't question it. Even if my strategy, normally speaking, is to wait on quarterback. I will make an exception for him and Lamar Jackson because they're that much better than the rest of the competition. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And sometimes that's all that matters in fantasy football is just to win that matchup. And that's what you get with those guys. Now, as far as the running back situation for the Kansas City Chiefs, this is where I'm going to be a little bit different. So I'm going to lead off with this. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his ADP consensus is RB15. And Damian Williams' ADP is RB33. I am flip-flopped as far as who I have ranked in front of who. I have Damian Williams ranked first. Now, it's not because of that news. We had that news break a few days ago about the running back coach coming out and talking about to Damian Williams. They expect him a big breakout year. They expect to be hugely involved. Uh, It's not based on that. It's not based on that. It's based on what I already knew, which is Damian Williams is still going to be the starter week one. I have him as the RB26 overall. I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the RB35 overall. So I'm still talking about guys I think you should draft. And Damian Williams, I have him just outside that RB2 territory. But I'm still talking about RB3s. I'm still talking about possible flex plays. And yes, this is another situation similar to the Rams, where if I have to pick one to be my league winner of the season or who has the most likely path to be the guy at some point during the year, it would be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And that's where he has that value. But that's not going to happen early on in the season. And we don't know exactly when it'll happen, if it'll happen. There's things that would have to go his way. Number one, Damian Williams have to get hurt. Not that that's too much far of a stretch, but that would still have to happen, I believe, for him to actually have the opportunity to take over the job. Andy Reid, even though he spent a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Andy Reid is not going to open up the gates and say, Edwards-Hilaire is our featured guy, three down back. It's not going to be the case. Again, Back to pass protection, right? Edwards Hilaire, not a very good pass blocker. Now, he, unlike Cam Akers, he knows where he's supposed to be, but he has two things working against him. One, he's very small. So even if he's at the right place at the right time, it could account for nothing still when a linebacker is bearing down on him. But two, he still needs to work on his technique. He still needs to work on his ability to cut block, his ability to anticipate and just be able to get enough in the way against those bigger type of guys to maybe nudge them in a different direction to give that quarterback that extra second. He's not there yet. You just spent this contract on Patrick Mahomes. What do you think their number one their number one priority is going to be? Protecting Patrick Mahomes. If they don't have the biggest confidence in the world in the rookie running back to be able to do that in those third and long situations, to at least give him that extra second, yeah, Damian Williams is going to play. Damian Williams is the best part of his game. I Look, last year... I was the guy on the ship saying, do not draft Damian Williams because he's going to be a huge bust for where he was going. Now his value where he is now, I'm fine with his value now because now it's in line with what he actually is. He's not a great runner between the tackles. Edwards Hilaire is better than him at that. But Damian Williams is a hell of a receiving back. We all know that. That's Clyde Edwards Hilaire's best attribute as well. A guy who is a rookie who hasn't had time to practice. They know what they're getting out of Damian Williams. I think that's one of the reasons why that news break came out. Kind of reminded everybody, hey, Damian's here. We expect him to contribute. He's going to be involved in a significant way. Oh, and by the way, with the both of them, given their skill sets, being that they're smaller guys, I'm not going to be surprised one iota if we're going to introduce a third running back into this mix. If it's going to be Darren Williams handling the goal line situation work, where it's neither one of these guys in the goal lines all the time. Now, the one caveat I'll give to that is that the Chiefs are in a special category where they'll go shotgun at the goal line, which opens up the door for Edward Solera and Damian Williams to both be involved in those areas. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if they decide they want to pound it. They're going to go with a third guy. There's a lot of things to take into consideration. The reality of the situation here, there is not a clear-cut path to what the workload is going to be for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in his rookie season. Do I love him for the long term? Yes. If I have to pick one guy who might win me my league in the playoff stretch, it's going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But as far as overall value goes, as far as playing time goes, as far as volume goes, especially from the get-go, Damian Williams is going to be on the field more. I'm telling you that right now. It's the veteran guy who's going to be out there at least to start the season. Now, if he stinks, which I think he does stink running in between the tackles, if he gets injured, all of a sudden all bets are off. We open up doors for Clyde edwards Hilaire. But things have to happen. And when you're going through projections, when you're going through rankings in these preseason, you have to take situations as they are right now in their reality form right now in order to give the most accurate, reasonable expectation that you possibly can. And that's what this is all about. And as it stands right now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not the starter. So stop treating him like he is. As I drop things again on my studio. Got to tape stuff down here. But <laughs> that's besides the point. Look, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, having him be the ADP 15 running back overall, putting him in the middle of the pack of the RB2s is a huge mistake. Is a huge mistake. It can't happen. It can't. He's not going to be good enough. He's not going to get that kind of volume to be drafting him that high. If you're putting him as an RB2, you're saying you have to take him. I'm telling you right now, he's going to be a bust if that happens. I'm going to give you third round value back for the entire season. Now, if he hits right, if he hits during the playoffs, then maybe all is forgiven because maybe he hit the opportunity, the opportune time that you needed him to in order to win your league. If that happens, fine. I get it. He, you may you may find that being the return value, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a long beginning of this season until that point, until that happens. There's too much that has to happen for that to happen. If you're wasting a third-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm telling you right now, your team's going to suffer, especially early on in the season. And I haven't been able to say this too much, but one of my favorite sayings is, to you, MD Nation, let someone else in your drafts make that mistake. Let someone else make that mistake. Damian Williams is going to play more. Given all the situations with everything going on this year, given the pass protection woes of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I cannot stress that point enough. Next up, we got the wide receivers. Not too much to talk about here. I mean, look, Tyreek Hill, his ADP is wide receiver three. That's about where I have him as well, especially when you're talking about half-point PPR leagues. I have him at wide receiver four, just behind Devontae Adams. We know what he can do. We know he's going to be a top-five guy. The only question is going to be, can he play 16 games? If he plays 16 games, we know he's going to be competing for a top-three wide receiver. Plain and simple. Not really much else to say there. The only other argument that we really need to have is McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins. Now, McCole Hardman right now, his ADP consists of wide receiver 47, while Sammy Watkins is 49. This is a mistake. Now, I'm not, this isn't a, we're not talking about a draft pick here where you're going to be, it's going to be one of your core pieces of your team, whether you're talking about Hardman or you're talking about Watkins. You're, you're going with who you think has the most potential point. So it does become a preference point in that sense. But Sammy Watkins is still the starting, still the number two guy. He's still a guy who consistently got six to eight targets per game, along with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill last season when all three of them are on the field. Mikal Hartman, while he had a couple of games where he had some big explosive plays where he caught some bombs and took off, because he has that fast ability, and we know Patrick Mahomes is so good that as long as he can actually get the ball to his wide receivers in those situations who are fast like that, they can do something with it. 
But Miko Hardman was barely targeted. And he's not going to be more targeted than Sammy Watkins if both of them are on the field. That's not going to happen. So the idea to have Hardman ranked ahead of Sammy Watkins is dumb. Just from a sheer volume standpoint, just from where they stand on the team. Watkins didn't leave the team. He didn't go down the pecking order in the depth chart. McCall Hardman did not usurp him last season. Nothing would indicate that other than that's what people want to have happen because they're so sour on Sammy Watkins' season last year and because they caught a few highlights of Mikol Hardman taking it to the house a couple of times last year. And that was enough for them to want to try to rank Mikol Hardman ahead. It's not going to happen. I have Sammy Watkins at the 46th receiver. Again, we're talking about a wide receiver five. We're talking about a guy that you're taking a flyer on who maybe in Watkins' situation, you're talking about more of a guy who you're hoping will be able to give you some value in some bye weeks and and be able to put it together. But remember, Watkins had a great postseason. Everyone talks about Damian Williams and trying to make sure to remember him on the team because of what he did in the postseason. Sammy Watkins had a very good postseason. Sammy Watkins had a very good Super Bowl. One of the few receivers who had a very good Super Bowl in that game, by the way. So, yeah. He's going to be over Mecole Harmon. He's going to outproduce Mecole Harmon this year, you know, barring injury. So I don't know why he's ranked ahead on, on, on that note. But either way, you're taking a guy sleeper. And then Travis Kelsey, I don't think we have to talk about him too much. ADP's one. I have him ranked as a tight end one. Uh, just the offense, the Mahomes quarterback situation. He's, he just has a much higher floor than, say, a George Kittle in an offense that's run first. Which, and that's, you know, I have George Kill number two, and that seems to be pretty much the consensus all the way around for, the, for those two guys. So he just has a higher floor when it comes to the type of offense that he's in, and we know he can produce like a wide receiver one. And I have him going for 1,200 yards this season. I have him going for eight touchdowns this season. So he's going to be in wide receiver one territory as far as his numbers go as a tight end. We know that. I have him, you know, I have him as a guy you want to take in the second round probably if you're playing in tight end leagues. If tight end premium, you might even want to take him in the first round. As far as their defense goes, I actually have them ranked pretty high. So this is always the thing with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're never a good NFL defense, but they're always a pretty good fantasy defense. Because while they're going to give up points, and we all know that, they still get a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers because they're in situations where their offense is up by two scores, so they kind of get to play that fantasy-type defensive football where you can kind of go after the stats like that, which actually count for something. I have actually had, have the Chiefs ranked as number three defense overall for fantasy football purposes. Now, I would never rank them as the top five for in the NFL, but because they get those sacks, because they get those turnovers, they're in the, they're in the top three. They're a defense you're going to be able to pick up and get some pretty good fantasy production out of. So they're kind of one of my surprises uh, there as well. Now, before we move on, we do have the Browns on the other side. And, but first, I want to talk to you guys about one of our sponsors called PropMe. And they are the new innovative gaming platform and really the first of its kind. PropMe makes betting from person to person more easy than ever. Designed for new and experienced gamblers alike using straightforward prop bets that can literally be created on anything. You want to bet on what the next play will be? Then create a prop. You want to bet on who's going to win that game of beer pong between your friends? Then create a prop. It takes hanging out with your friends to a whole new level. So join today by downloading the PropMe app or go to PropMeLLC.com. Now, next up, we got the Cleveland Browns. And this is where we have a lot of different scenarios in which we have to talk about. And this is also where I'm quite different than most of the ADP out there. I'm going to be very interested to see in what you guys have to say uh, about that. So, first of all, talking about the Browns, of course, you have to talk about Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, all the, all the changes that are happening there. The fact that 
now we have you know Baker Mayfield who might think for his job this season in some eyes. I think it's one more year. This is the first year in the head coach. I think as long as he does okay, he's not absolutely terrible. I think he'll get one more season to prove that he can be the franchise guy. But some people think this could be his make or break year. And you know what? I don't think it's totally outlandish to think that. This is a system that is really good for the Browns. I don't know if it's a system that's good for Baker Mayfield as far as his production goes and his fantasy production. We're going to get to that in a second. But I think this is a perfect system for the Browns as a team for their offense to become more efficient again, more effective again, and get themselves back inside the top 10, which means that should set up for Baker Mayfield, at least from an NFL standpoint, to look decent enough. Now, from a fantasy standpoint, his ADP is 14, and I have him ranked much lower than that. I have him as QB 25. Not because I not because I think he's going to be terrible, but because the volume is not going to be there. This is going to be a run-first team. You have Nick Chubb, you have Kareem Hunt, you have Ken Stefanski. We know he did with Minnesota last year. We know he, we know he's breaking over that Gary Kubiak type of system. They're not going to throw the ball for 600 times. This is not going to happen. In fact, I, ha- I think I believe I have them. Yeah, I have them for about 503 attempts on the year. About that 500 range. And that would be 40 more attempts than what they did with Minnesota and Kirk Cousins last year because that was only around 466 attempts. So that's with 40 extra attempts still only getting to about 500. There's just not enough volume there, I believe, for Baker Mayfield to be great. And here's the thing about Baker Mayfield. He has that gunslinger mentality, which gives him the trouble, which hasn't thrown in the double coverage. If that were to significantly improve, we could see him jump up because the negative points around Baker Mayfield will not be nearly as uh, harsh. And that's a big thing what drops him down because I have him for about 15 interceptions off the 26 touchdown ratio. That's about what his ratio has been so far in his career. That's about what we can expect. And that's what knocks him down pretty low in my book as a guy that maybe you look at at some point being a streaming option depending upon how he's playing. But we're not talking about a guy that we're going to be bothered drafting in redraft leagues. I don't even have him quite making 4,000 yards. The volume is not going to be there. This is going to be a run first team. So to that effect... What we really need to talk about with this team is Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Kevin Stefanski, how all this is going to work. Now, David Njoku did talk about wanting to wanting, you know, he's demanding a trade right now, right? This is another trade demand situation that I don't see happening. Um, the Browns really do want to have two tight end sets. Kevin Stefanski just coming off a year where he had Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith Jr. Now, while neither one of them had great statistical years, being able to play those two tight end sets, being able to utilize those guys really helped the offense do what they needed, what they wanted to do. That's why I think they're going to keep Dave Njoku at the end of the day. I think they have to in order to do that. That's why they brought in Austin Hooper and paid him all that money. They wanted to have those two athletic tight ends that they can use in the blocking game and also use in the pass game and base, and base their offense off of that. So I don't think Dave Njoku is going to go anywhere. And... Unlike most teams with the Cleveland Browns, this offense actually improved. And that's probably the most surprising part about it. The, not many offensive line I should say offensive line, excuse me. Not many offensive lines that need to improve actually improved. The Browns did. They got better. So everything's in line. The system's there. The talent's there. They have the running backs to do it. So what to expect out of these guys? And yet, I find myself being much lower on Nick Chubb than most. And I'm going to get into why that is in a second. So Nick Chubb's ADP consensus right now is about RB8, right? I have him at RB15. So I'm still telling, he's still valuable. I have him for rushing for about 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't have him being involved in the passing game. And they've talked about this. 
Kareem Hunt's been sitting in on receiver meetings. Their game plan is to get him involved in the passing game one way or another. Will there be times that they're both on the field? Sure. But I always love that excuse. Like, oh, well, they're both going to be on the field at times, so they both can get work if they're both on the field. There's still only one football, number one. So even if they're both on the field, only one of them can get the ball. And they're only, and that's only one, it's only one fifth of an option because you still have the other receivers and the tight ends who could also get the ball. It's only one football. Uh, number two, the amount of times that teams will who do use two running backs in the backfield, the amount of times they run that formation is really not that significant. So I don't know why that's something that gets brought up. Like, oh, they're going to use both of them back there, and that's somehow supposed to boost their value for both of them. Like, yeah, maybe 5% of the time. Who cares? That doesn't do anything for me at fantasy value. Why doesn't it give me the boost for both of them that they can both be on the field? I just don't care. It's not significant enough. It's a it's one of those faulty narratives out there designed to boost certain people's arguments, but in reality has actually no bearing on the production that you can actually expect. Chubb has not been a guy who's been heavily involved in the passing game since he's been in the league. Now, yes, this is a new coaching regime, but they brought back Kareem Hunt. They didn't have to. He had the off-the-field off issue Back in the wintertime, they could have cut him loose. They could have traded him away. They didn't do any of that. They brought him back. I don't think they brought back Kareem Hunt just to be a backup running back. And I talk about this all the time. People are like, oh, well, Dalvin Cook went crazy. So Nick Chubb's going to be an RB1. I would agree with you if Kareem Hunt wasn't there. Look, Alexander Madison, he was drafted to be a backup. He was drafted to be a guy who could do a little bit of everything to back up Dalvin Cook in case of injury and to give him breathers. Kareem Hunt's not just a mere backup. Kareem Hunt was a superstar in this league, and he didn't fall off. He didn't fall off because he lost talent. He fell out of favor because of off-the-field issues. He is arguably, if he was in a same similar situation to Nick Chubb, would be looked at as just as much of a superstar, just as much of a guy who could be putting up that kind of production this year in this system. He's going to be the guy I believe who catches the ball in the backfield. Most of the time. I have Nick Chubb getting most of those carries. I have him getting the goal line stuff. But Kareem Hunt's going to be significantly involved. I have these guys on about a 60-40 split. And I don't think that's unreasonable. As a result of that, I'm much higher on Kareem Hunt than most. I'm trying to find it now. I have Kareem Hunt ranked as the RB23. His consensus as of right now... I just had it in front of me. His consensus of it is RB29. So it's not significantly different there, but I am higher on him. But if you're going to be that high on Kareem Hunt and what his production level is going to be, I don't think you can then make the same argument in the same breath that Nick Chubb's going to be in a top 10 running back. You can't do it. There's one football. One football. There's only so much both of these guys can do. And if Hunt's going to be involved on the majority of third downs, he's also going to get his portion of, of carries. And even if you want to make it a 65-35 split as far as the carries, that's fine. Nick Chubb still doesn't wind up cracking the top 10 for me. It's volume-based. Is he awesome? Yes. Does the system fit what he does to a T? Yes. If Kareem Hunt wasn't there, I would be the guy making the argument that Nick Chubb should be in the top four along with the Barclays, the Elliots, Camaras, and the McCaffreys of the world. That's how high I would put him if Hunt wasn't there. But Hunt being there takes away a significant mark, and he's going to be involved. He's not going to go away. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have Kareem Hunt being involved and being a valuable flex piece while also having Nick Chubb in the top 10. It can't work that way. The volume doesn't work out that way. So that's something else I want you guys to be able to take into consideration when you're looking at these things. 
Now, for the wide receivers, that's another big question we got to talk about the Cleveland Browns. We have OBJ. What is he going to be? Can he bounce back? Can he get back to a top 10? What is Jarvis Landry going to do? Look, here's one thing I like about this system. It's not really built around three receivers. It's built around featuring your top two guys. It's built around OBJ and built around Jarvis Landry. And they fit what they want to do pretty well. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Let me just look at Safan Diggs and Adam Thielen. You have two guys in a similar situation. You have two guys who have the ability to rotate inside and out. You have one guy's a little bit better at the outside. One guy's a little bit better at the inside. They're going to rotate them just like that. The big thing will be, can OBJ stay healthy? We haven't seen OBJ stay healthy in a long time. And while he played 16 games last year, there is no doubt in my mind that a big reason why he wasn't as productive is because he didn't, he just didn't look like the same explosive OBJ that we're used to. Yes, they had problems actually getting him the football. He had problems getting open, and that had a lot to do with that groin injury. And it explains a lot in my mind, because when you're watching tape, he just doesn't look, he doesn't look like he's the same player. Let alone, put aside the offense, put aside the poor play of Baker Mayfield, put aside all that. He just didn't look like the same player. So I buy that he was significantly banged up throughout the year, even though he actually played all 16 games. I've been recently doing this. I'm going back on Game Pass. I'm trying to watch the season all over again. Go back and watch week one of the Cleveland Browns last year. Look at, look at what OBJ was doing on the field. He had a pretty good game week one. Look at what he was doing on the field. Look at how he was running. Look how he's getting open. And then look at OBJ again and watch the Cleveland Browns in week six. Pretty much from week six on. Tell me, tell me it's two different players. Tell me you don't see a significant difference in what he's able to do on the field from a physical standpoint. OBJ, I do believe, is going to be a top 10 wide receiver again this year. I have him as wide receiver number 8 overall. His consensus at the moment is wide receiver 12. So not too different, but I do have him inside that top 10. I do have him as a wide receiver 1. I have him getting 124 targets. I have him getting over 1,100 yards. I have him getting 7 touchdowns. And that's what's also great about this offense. Baker Mayfield doesn't have to do a lot for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham to still get enough volume to where they're really productive fantasy wide receivers because all the volume is going to go to them. Like I said, even last year, take a look at the tight end situation. Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, overall, weren't that weren't involved all that much. They really weren't. All these people are excited about Austin Hooper and what he's going to mean. It's like, oh, they, they utilize their tight end so well. Eh, they utilize them. It wasn't for a lot of production. On Jarvis Landry, I have him at wide receiver 23. Consensus about wide receiver 31. So I'm much higher on Jarvis Landry. I'm higher on the wide receivers of the Cleveland Browns. Landry, we know we know what to expect out of Landry. I don't, I don't think we have to go into too much detail. We know he's a high floor type of player. We know he's not going to get a lot of touchdowns. We know he's not going to get a lot of games where he has over 100 yards. But I have him for about six touchdowns on the year. I have him getting 112 targets. He gets those, those few things going his way. Half point PPR, full point PPR. He's going to be one of the most steady guys from week to week basis, and we know that. And I don't think anything else needs to be said. And the offense plays well to that. It's a West Coast system. West Coast fits these two guys to a T with the amount of route running ability that they have and what they can do with the ball after the fact. They'll be fine. 
I expect a big bounce back year for OBJ. Now, the tight end situation is a little bit trickier. Now, obviously, in David Njoku, he was never a guy that we were really going to be talking about from a fantasy standpoint as far as having you know value. He wasn't somebody we're going to look to draft. He wasn't somebody who's going to be on a sleeper because it's really hard in a team that even when they utilize two tight ends for that second tight end to be that fantasy relevant. And we don't have him being that way. So the question becomes about Austin Hooper. And I wound up having Austin Hooper ranked about seventh overall for half-point PPR and for my tight ends. Um, just because he's going to be utilized in the red zone. Baker Mayfield does look for his tight ends in the red zone. So while, like I said, I talked about Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith not really being as involved, the big difference there is that Kirk Cousins doesn't look for his tight ends in, in the red zone, at least not since Jordan Reed and back in Washington days. That was it. Baker does look for his, his tight ends in the end zone. Even with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, even with having a terrible year last year, he would still look to heavily utilize the tight ends in the red zone situation and give them a lot of targets there. So that's why I wound up having Hooper as my seventh tight end overall. Having about 622 yards. I don't have him for a lot of yards, but I have him for about seven touchdowns. And if you get that, you're going to be able to get into the top 10 situation. His consensus is tight end 10, so I'm a little bit higher on him. But that just kind of stays with the fact that I'm a little bit higher on the pass catchers in general when it comes to the Cleveland Browns because this offense is going to be efficient and it has clear points clear points on who's going to be doing what roles and who it favors and what it looks to do in certain situations, and it lays it out perfectly. This is an offense that we can really sink our teeth into from a fantasy perspective to know what we're going to get. Like I said, the only question for me is just how significantly involved is Kareem Hunt going to be because that's just that's what's going to dictate what happens between him and Nick Chubb. But that's, that's the only question mark that I'm really going to have. And like I said, you know, Kareem Hunt, I expect him to be involved. Now, before we get into our last team that we're going to talk about on the show, which is the Minnesota Vikings, I got to talk to you guys about one of our favorite sponsors of the show, and that's that's Trophy Smack. And these guys, these guys are phenomenal. These guys are, I think, why people should be getting fantasy football leagues because their trophies are amazing. Commemorate your league in the best possible way. There's no other company in the business that does it better than Trophy Smack. They create trophies of all sizes, belts, and rings with a variety of colors along with free engraving and free shipping. And now you can get a free ring with your purchase of a trophy or belt if you use the promo code BELLYUP. So click on our Trophy Smack link on Twitter, on Facebook, or go to trophysmack.com and use the promo code BELLYUP on your order today. Now, last but not least, of course, we have the Minnesota Vikings. And I thought this was good to do the Browns and the Vikings in the same show. They go hand in hand with kind of what we're talking about, the scheme-wise. Now, first of all, yes, Stefanski gone. Kubiak takes over the offensive coordinator. Uh, easy answer to that question is obviously the offensive system's not going to change one iota. And I think we all, I think we all know that going in. So what does that mean? Well, we know that Dalvin Cook is awesome, right? I have Dalvin Cook ranked number five. It's pretty much not just in half point. I think I have him ranked number five in, in every scoring format. Um, the only reason he's not maybe number four, top three necessarily, is just because there's still an injury question when it comes to Dalvin playing games. And I don't. I haven't projected for 14 games this year. Because I'm looking at it this way. You had two seasons in a row where you had major soft tissue damage and you wound up missing a slew of games. Last year was your healthiest year, and you still wound up missing about two to three games because of shoulder issues, because of ankle issues. It wasn't a soft tissue issue, which is a good sign that maybe things can improve uh, moving forward, but he still got banged up, and he's still a smaller type of guy to get a huge workload like that. Now, I'm not saying I expect Alexander Madison to be more involved than what he was last season. I don't, but what I am saying is that I still expect that it will be very difficult for Dalvin Cook 
to play full 16 games. And to that effect, while I have him ranked as number five, you do have to ask the question to yourself when you're drafting, especially in the first round. What, do we, what, it is that, what is it I'm looking for? Am I looking for the guy that I think is just simply going to do the best and always going to score the most when he's playing, and that's who I want my first-round pick to be? Or do I want it to be a safe guy? Do I want it to be a guy that I feel confident in will be there for me week in and week out and be able to get through the season healthy while being able to produce at a high level? Do I want to have that guy who has that high floor? That's a question you have to ask yourself if you're in that top five area and you're looking at Dalvin Cook in the face. Because the fact of the matter is, even for me, while I have Dalvin Cook ranked ahead of guys like Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon, I have to say his floor is lower than those guys. I have more confidence in Henry playing 16 games. Barring a holdout, I have more confidence in Joe Mixon playing 16 games than I do for Dalvin Cook. So it's a question you have to ask yourself. But here's the thing. When Dalvin Cook was on the field last year, he was number two to Christian McCaffrey all season long. The way he's involved in the passing game, the way that system runs, how good he is, I think knocking him from being the number two running back to number five is our way of assessing the risk. And like I said, I still haven't projected for 14 games. He did prove to me last year that he can get past the soft tissue stuff. The rest of the stuff is kind of you know wear and tear damage. But if he can avoid getting soft tissue injuries, then I think overall he'll at least play the majority of the season. So that's where I'm okay with him. As far as productivity goes, I don't think we need to get into it. We know this guy's going to be crazily involved. I have about 75 targets on the year. I'm running for about 284 attempts. And off of that, you know, we're talking about a guy who should easily be able to combine for nearly 1,700, 1,800 total yards and about, uh, I'm trying to see it here, about 10 touchdowns, 10 rushing touchdowns, two receiving, about 12 total touchdowns. I think those are numbers that are easily achievable for Dalvin Cook if he's able to play at least 14 games this season. If he plays 16, then we're talking about him right in the line with the Saquon, with Ezekiel Elias, with Alvin Kamara's this year, without a doubt. But we know that with Dalvin Cook. It's just assessing the situation. He's one of the few guys, if you're going to take him in the first round, I think you do have to make the conscious decision that you're going to take Alexander Madison around earlier than what his his ADP is when he's expected to go. And I'm trying to find it here. I have Alexander Madison ranked as my 47th running back overall. Obviously being a, a backup, but he's a valuable handcuff that you have to go after. And if you're in a draft where you know maybe somebody likes, likes Alexander Madison or likes to take people's handcuffs, because that's a strategy I've seen out there too, uh, other people taking people's handcuffs like, as, a, as a just in case once they get into their bench territory. You have to take that into consideration. Know, know what your league is at all times. Uh, but his, his ADP is RB44, so right around that territory. Puts him around that mm, 10th, 11th round. Maybe you want to make it to a conscious decision that if you have Dalvin Cook, to draft Alexander Madison no later than the ninth round just to make sure that you have him. Just to make sure that you're locked in, that you're good to go. And because we saw last year, Madison filling in system pretty well as well. So you want to make sure you have him if you're going to draft Alvin Cook. That is the one strategy tip that I would give you if you're looking to go that route. I know we skipped over the quarterback. I know we skipped over Kirk Cousins, but that's because it's pretty irrelevant. I have him as QB 21. I think it's pretty reasonable. He doesn't have a high ceiling, and that's with him getting about 500 attempts this year, which would be like about 40 more attempts. He's just not in a situation where he has a ceiling. He's not. We know that they're a run-first team, number one. 
They don't have Stephon Diggs anymore. And while I love Justin Jefferson, we're going to talk about him in a minute too, still not on the same level as Stephon Diggs leaving. And that Stephon Diggs is also their big reason, their big target down the field, their big stretch guy. I love Jefferson, but he's not on the same level as Diggs as far as stretching the field goes. This team's going to be a lot about the intermediate to short-range part of the field. There's just not a ceiling there for Kirk Cousins. Against certain opponents, is he a guy who's okay to pick up and stream because you think you might be able to get 16 points out of him in a given week? Yeah, he'll be in those situations. But I think there's a lot of other options, a lot of better options that have much higher ceilings and more, more ranges, more different outcomes in their range possible for them. We know what Cousins is going to be in the system. We know they're pretty much going to make sure he doesn't have to put himself in a situation where he has to win the games or has to put too much on his shoulders because we've seen what happens, especially since he's joined Minnesota, what happens if Kirk Cousins puts too much on his shoulders. His offense just doesn't work the same. It's not what it's built around. So there's not really too much else to say there. Now here's where it gets shocking for the Minnesota Vikings. Here's where there's another instance where I expect to hear a lot of backlash from a lot of people and I'm going to explain to you why. Adam Thielen. A lot of people love him, right? Stephon Diggs is gone. His replacement's a rookie wide receiver. He's going to get all the targets, all the share, all this, all that. And actually, before I give my ranking, his 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 ADP consensus ranking is wide receiver 11, which means if you're 12-man leagues, he's a wide receiver 1. No. No. This is another guy, MD Nation. I am telling you right here, right now, let someone else make that mistake. If somebody wants to take Adam Thielen in that second or third round, let him. Let him. There is absolutely no reason on the planet Earth why you should be trying to make a point to get Adam Thielen over somebody else. This is a guy that has to be drafted based on value, not on hype. First of all, Justin Jefferson is better than most people think. Second of all, Adam Thielen, without Stephon Diggs, without playing the slot as much as he did, because Jefferson's a very good slot receiver. We're going to get into that in a second, too. I think he is going to be forced to play the outside a little bit more here and there. He's not as good. This is a run-first team. He's not explosive. He's not a guy who's going to take the ball in his hands on a slant for five yards and, and have the ability to take it to the house like an OBJ, which is why I think OBJ you know, is in a better situation because he has the athletic ability to play within the system but then also add something on it. Adam Dillon doesn't have that. He doesn't do that. That's not his game. I have Adam Thielen ranked as the 28th wide receiver overall meaning I have him outside the top three receivers. I have him as a wide receiver three. I have him as a flex guy. And the volume will be there. He'll, he's going to be a great flex guy. He's going to be a consistent flex guy. But when you break it all down for Adam Thielen, this is not a guy who typically gets 100 targets. I have him for about 90. This is not a guy who goes for over 1,000 yards except for once in his career. I have him in 953. I have him for about six touchdowns. There's just not a lot of volume in this offense, and Justin Jefferson is going to be more involved than people realize, and that brings me to my second point. So first of all, before we get into his numbers of what we expect, it's not everybody. It's not everybody out there, but I've been having these conversations on social media that seem to suggest that they believe Justin Jefferson is a perimeter wide receiver only. And to that, I have to say to them, and if you're one of them, you clearly have never watched Jefferson Jefferson play football. You didn't watch the national championship. You didn't watch LSU games last year because that's the only explanation. This guy lined up in the slot the majority of the time. He's a great route-running wide receiver. In fact, I was very high on Justin Jefferson 
this entire draft process. Because I knew he could line up on the outside and the inside, because I knew he could run routes really well, because he has very good hands. My only quest for Justin Jefferson going into the draft process was I wasn't sure how explosive he was. I wasn't sure how fast he was. And then he shows up and runs a great 40 time. And once he did that, then all of a sudden, all my issues with Justin Jefferson dissipated because that was the only question that I had. How explosive are you really? And this is a guy who showed you that he has the speed, he has the explosion to be able to stretch the field on top of being one of the more polished wide receivers which is why he wound up being, to me, the third best rookie wide receiver right behind Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb. Not Henry Ruggs, not T. Higgins, not not anybody else. Justin Jefferson. And I don't think he's that far off from those guys, by the way, either, once you add in the explosiveness factor that that he proved to all of us. He's not far off. This is a guy who's going to be heavily involved. Now, having said that, I'm not going crazy here. He's wide receiver 41 for me while his consensus is wide receiver 54. So I'm much higher than the consensus. I'm not talking about a guy. I'm not saying Josh Jefferson is going to be a wide receiver too. I'm not saying he's always usurping Adam Thielen. That's not what I'm saying at all. But he's going to be involved enough. I have him getting 80 targets. I have him getting 55 receptions, 850 yards, and about six touchdowns. When you combine that with the run-first mentality of this team, there's just a limit to the ceiling for these wide receivers, and especially in Adam Thielen because he doesn't have that big breakaway ability, playmaking ability, if you will, where he has to get fed that volume, and I don't think he's going to get enough volume to be a top two, a a wide receiver two, or a wide receiver one. We're talking about him as a wide receiver three. That's going to be the reality of the situation. He wasn't great last year. Oh, and by the way, he wasn't great last year even when he was healthy and on the field, because a lot of people got banged up. Even when he was healthy, even before that, even early on in the year, he wasn't very good last year. And not that he wasn't very good, but he wasn't getting the production. And it wasn't like Stephon Diggs was getting so much production. That's why Adam Thielen wasn't getting fed the ball. That wasn't the case either. Stephon Diggs only did well when Adam Thielen wasn't playing. That's when he had his best fantasy weeks. Neither one of them really had great fantasy production last year. Why would that change this season without Stephon Diggs? He's not going to see that much more tar- targets than he did the year ago doesn't make any sense when you actually examine the reality of the situation. The tight ends, we've actually talked about them a little bit. They're not, to me, they're not fantasy relevant uh, as far as redraft leagues go. I still like Irv Smith a lot in dynasty leagues because, because his ability, eventually I do expect him to take that job. I have him as tight end 31 though. And, and Rudolph, where, uh, Rudolph, I have, you know, somewhere in that territory as well. I'm not, uh, Rudolph, I have his tight end 27. They're not guys that I'm looking at. They both only went for about 300 yards a piece. Only a few times. They both play so much into in the red zone. So I don't see these guys as being fantasy relevant for you. Now Minnesota's defense, on the other hand, they got better, and I, we'll still see what happens to Everson Griffin. He hasn't signed anywhere. I still wouldn't be surprised if he actually wound up coming back to Minnesota to begin with. But we know it's a very good defense, and since this team's been able to run the ball last year, they've been able the defense has been able to play much better. It's a top ten defense. I have them ranked number seven overall. They're definitely a te- defense that you could draft and have some good value f- through all, all year all year long. So it's definitely a defense I think you should take note of and, and definitely a defense worth uh, drafting in your leagues too. That wraps up the show. I know it's a lot of information. We do four teams, and you really want to break down each position. It's a lot to get to, even when we're not necessarily doing interviews. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. Remember, the big thing, though, is that we have those rankings out. Check up. 
check uh, check out www.bellyupfantasysports.com today to check out the rest of those uh, projections and rankings that we have up there for you guys. We will be back next week with the team profile series, another one for you. We're not doing any more guests. We're going to be back. We're talking about you know fantasy numbers, fantasy expectations for these players. Make sure you hit me up on social media at bellyupmdffshow on both Twitter and Facebook. And of course, you can always call the MD Nation hotline to leave your comment, rant, or question 609-362-2480. Make sure you actually leave the voicemail message so I know uh, what your question is and I'll just call. So everybody have a great weekend and I'll talk to you guys again really, really soon. Thank you for listening to Belly Up Sports, MD's fantasy football show.